Dennis, we just heard the uh, commissioner say that they need help from the federal government in trying to figure out something that would be uniform with the NCAA. Do you see that happening? I don't right now. Again, that could change, but just talking to people on the Hill and administrators around college sports, I, I just don't see a desire there to get, you know, starting with what? You have to have 60 votes in the Senate to move it on to the House. And what turned out to be a very bipartisan issue, this you know this this issue of, uh, of NIL and helping the college athlete, has really turned partisan. And, not, and then besides that, you've got Congress going on break. They won't come back till September. Who knows what any of this is going to look like by then? And I think to sum it all up, two weeks into NIL. The world hasn't collapsed. You know, it's working out. I mean, the Miami thing is is a bit controversial, where that uh, gym owner's paying players six thousand dollars each. But the NCAA's hamstrung. That's a clear violation of NCAA rules. But the state of Florida's law says they can do that. So I think the most they could do, and I'm going on here, the most they could do is uh, a preemption of state laws, where you just have one law across the board. And I think that's what Commissioner Sankey was talking about. Sankey just mentioned getting a bunch of people in a room doesn't necessarily mean you're going to come to a common agreement. Piggybacking on that, do you blame the NCAA for not coming up with guidelines, or do you think it's hard to get 1,100 institutions to agree on anything? Well, first you have to try, and they haven't tried. In every in recent years, every major decision they've had to make has come with the question: What does it do? It what does it do to us legally? Are we legally liable? And the question usually is yes. <laughs> and and whether you want to blame Mark Emmert for that or people decades ago for that, that's just what the NCA has become. It's become a legal liability to itself. Mm -hmm. uh, it couldn't implement NAL on its own. In fact, it came, the idea that we have right now came from Greg Sankey in the SEC where the players can negotiate their own deals with schools and whatnot. So, um, no, it's... The, the NCAA is effectively dead in the water right now, except for a heck of a party they, they have every March. What about the enforcement part? We heard the question asked about that. The enforcement staff was reduced uh, during COVID, yeah. and now we've got cases, as Sankey said, lingering, high profile for five years. How do you reform that to make it effective? I think, I think it was a mistake to go with this independent resolution panel, which now most of these... Uh, FBI, Southern District of New York cases are in that uh, that bucket right now, mostly because there's no appeal process, and no one's ever been able been able to explain to me why there isn't one. That's one thing. The other thing is there's been no resolution. I think there's been two or three cases, um, but none of the big ones. Oklahoma State was was resolved. I think Auburn was resolved. Still waiting for Louisville, Kansas, North Carolina State, um, some others. Auburn. Uh, yeah, Auburn. So, you know, what are those going to look like? Kansas is already on record as saying they're going to sue. So, and how does that extend things out with this whole? I think it was a bad idea to begin with to br bring in outsiders, retired judges, whatnot, to judge cases. And then, as we found out in the process, when it's turned over to them after the enforcement staff investigates a case, 
and it's turned over to this independent resolution panel, oh, they have to go reinvestigate themselves because they're not familiar with the NCA manual. So in the case of like uh, a Kansas, it's really now going on four years since they were mentioned as being a possible violator, and they're, they're upset at that. All right, you recently did Coaches on the Hot Seat. Yeah. I think the hottest coach in the SEC is Ed Orgeron at LSU, correct? Yeah, he was a four out of five. Yeah. And look, I, I can listen to any any argument for that, for that or against it because I think we all don't know which way LSU is going to go now. Uh, they go from the best season ever maybe to five and five, wholesale coaching changes, a scandal that won't go away that has Ed Orgeron's name at least attached to it, and is that a distraction to, to where we are now? Uh, a coach, uh, quarterback battle. Great athletes, as LSU always has, but where do they fit in in the long run? Are they a 9-3 and team? Are they a 12-0 and team? Are they a 5-7 and team? It depends. Um, when And I, I was stunned. I, I was out of the loop on this, reading the preseason magazines. Ed Orgeron did not interview his coordinators when he hired them last year. Not this year, last year. Scott Linehan and I forget who the... Def- oh, Bo Pelini, who he was very familiar with. So, yeah, I get that. But they just, you know, fell on their faces. I think we all agree. So, uh, you know, what that looks like. And also, the culture of LSU. It's a little bit like Auburn. Work can change in a flash. Um, you know, and it, it, I don't want to say Ed Orgeron's never been totally accepted there because when you go 15-0 and and maybe the greatest season ever, you can't say that anymore. But I still think there's that doubt that if they start 2-2 two and two in September, things could go bad really quick. Untouchable Nick Saban. Yeah. What was the other one? Kirby Smart yeah. or Jim? Okay. Yeah. Kirby. But Jimbo Fisher was not quite until he's got a one, I think. Yeah. Uh, just be, just because I think seventy-five million for ten years. When are you going to fulfill that? And look, he's doing great now. You know, they win nine last year and were in competition for the playoff. He's got it going. Recruiting at a high level. Uh, got to replace a lot this year. Quarterback being the biggest. But I think he's got it going on. But that, that's another one where, man, if they don't, if they turn on you, they can turn on you in a hurry at, at A&M. Finally, Tennessee, Josh Heupel. Mm-hmm. What expectations, uh, what do you see as the biggest hurdles for him right now? I think it's going to be tough. There's a lot on the field that needs to be done. Uh, I think his expertise at quarterback making and offense will help make Tennessee more exciting. He's done a lot of good things in the portal. But I go back to the enforcement piece. That's going to be hanging over their head um, for, I think, at least two years, given the fact that what you mentioned, the, the enforcement staff, is now been you know reduced because of COVID. They haven't gotten to these independent resolution uh, panel um, cases yet, and I think Tennessee's going to have to wait two years before they even know their fate. And so that hurts recruiting. That hurts optimism. That hurts everything when you're trying to get something turned around. Are you suggesting Tennessee fans should be patient? More than patient. Yes. <laughs> Again, more. <laughs> for, the, for the 14th year in a row. Exactly right. That's right, exactly. And that's what's hurting. That, that's what hurts Hype a little bit. He inherits that. People yeah. are, Tennessee fans are tired of being asked to be patient. Now he's got to come in in a situation like this. Yeah, no, I, I think that's true. And it, look, if he didn't know it coming in, he should have. Yeah. Uh, this was going to be the case. So it was all it was all written out for him in black and white. So, But, but good for him. I, again, I think Tennessee is going to be really exciting to watch, unlike previous years. And that's what turned off a lot of people. They were, They lost and they weren't very good at losing. (laughs) 